Hello, everybody, and welcome to the HTML All Things Podcast, episode number 53, Sanity.io with, and I'm going to say this name incorrectly, Knut Melve. I'm your host, Matt Lawrence, and I'm joined again by my co-host, Mike Coran. If you've been enjoying the podcast so far and you want to support us, there's a couple ways to do that. You can review us on the Apple Podcast or podcast platform that you listen to this on. You can also check us out on Patreon. We only have two tiers right now, but at the $3 tier, we'll give you a shout-out in the podcast and share your website in the show notes. And probably the most important one is, of course, to share this with your friends. Share this with your Facebook, and we need a third share this. And share this with your people! And we need, like, a big... The web development yeah! community. Yeah, with the web development community. And then somebody puts in some... Yeah! At the end. But anyway, if you just want to chat with us, um, you can do that. You can do so with uh, on our Discord server. We have a bunch of developers in there from all walks of life. Some WordPress guys, some PHP guys, um, some UI developers, whatever. We're all into this big old Discord server, so you can join up and get some help, or just uh, just chat about some stuff, chat about some video games, whatever, movies, and all that stuff. And uh, you can fight me on whether Pulp Fiction is the best movie of all time, and I'll fight you for it. But anyway, with that, we're going to go to our weekly pain points. Mike, take it away. All right. Uh, weekly pain point for this week was Windows notifications um, because they essentially don't exist and suck terribly <laughs> when they do. They're the worst. I like. I, I'm a Windows. I'm not a fanboy, but I use Windows, uh, and I cannot believe how bad the notification center is, or or any sort of notifications functionality. Period. I recently, yesterday, was watching a movie, um, and turned on priority or whatever it's called force focus assist mode do not to, do that to priority only and then i turn it on to alarms and um we were talking matt so i was like okay well I'm, I'm talking to you on my phone so i don't need notifications on windows for that and what happened was it would still send me the team's notifications so that did not work like their priority mode did not work even in the slightest like not zero with their app, like it's their with, with their native applications. Teams is developed by Microsoft, so it did n- literally zero effect. It still sent the, the noise and the notification, like everything was still coming through, even though I put on that stupid mode. Um, and the fact that like I've literally never in my life one, but like, oh, what what's my notifications on Windows? Let's open up this sidebar to check what my notifications are. There's about <laughs> a million notifications in there that mean absolutely nothing to me. So. Let me know if you agree with me. Windows notifications are completely useless. They should I a either revamp them or b just turn them off no, and make it they, they go need back to, to app them. app by app basis like they did before. The thing I think the thing that's wrong is that Teams doesn't actually use that that side notification bar as far as I know. I've never checked in there, but like if you send me a Teams notification, like send me a message right now in our DM. If you send me a message right now, I'm fairly certain that that doesn't actually show up in the notification bar. So when you set focus assist, and this is all assumption, I don't think it actually controls it because Teams doesn't go through that notification center. Yeah, see, it's opening up here. So I'm looking right at a, a, a DM that Mike sent me, and it's like a purple box in the bottom right of my screen. But it didn't show up in my notification center uh, because the actual notification center little bubble isn't white. Like it isn't filled in, meaning that there isn't anything new there. And if I click on there, it doesn't have anything. It says no new notifications. So Mike sent me something. And so focus center doesn't control that. <sighs> you so see what, see what's happening. You know, I see what's happening, but I, I don't, that's such a bad way. Then, then either do it properly so that every application has to go through the notification center somehow, 
or don't do it at all. In my we opinion, don't, we, don't, we don't do that. Yeah, there shouldn't be even an option for priority only because it's bull, it's bull crap because <laughs> because like what do you, what's priority only? Only the applications are supported, which I have no list or any sort of notif like how do I know if it's supported or not? It's not like Chrome. it pops up every time I install. Chrome if you use chat apps in Chrome. That's fine, but like it's it's random. It's like it's like rolling a dice. I'm going to install this chat app, will it be supported <laughs> or not? If I press priority only, I'm obviously doing that for a reason, so it's it, it's completely and utterly useless. Like it's just throw it out. Uh, yeah, I, I will say that I was excited when Windows 10 came out for the lock screen notifications and such, and I was like, man, I'm gonna be able to finally like use this like a phone, and I'll get like a nice Windows tablet, which I had one at the time, and I, I have a new one now, and it was like I'm gonna be able to use this like a real tablet, like I won't have to, because I, I used to rely on my Android tablet for notifications and such when we were at school, and I was like, no way, man, I'm gonna be able to use my Windows tablet at work now. Because we were done school at the time, and it's going to be great. And then it wasn't great, and it hasn't gotten better. So, like, I'll give you an example here. There's just a text message. Just a text message here from Friday in my notification center. Read that, answered it a long time ago. Just here. It's right here. Like, why? Why is it here? So, I mean, whether that's Chrome's fault or whatever, but that notification center, I'm, I I don't check it. Yep. Like, that's that's it. Same. Do you now here's a quick question about your weekly pain point. Do you find that you immediately understand what's happening when Microsoft goes awry, if that makes sense? Like are you indoctrinated enough? Like me, I like the instant you said that, I was like, it's probably because the team's notification isn't a part of the action center or the notification center. Do you no. like have that like like sixth sense? I don't know if I have the sixth sense to be honest, because <laughs> like I just I expect stuff to work for the most part, and when stuff doesn't work, I'll if if it bothers me enough, I'll look into it and figure it out. But with Microsoft, it's just it could be so many different things that usually I don't have the the sixth sense. I have more of a sixth sense with Android at this point because I've delved so far into like I haven't done ROM development, but I've done a lot of ROM editing and stuff like that with Android, so I understand how it works to a more of an extent than Windows even. It's it's like a, it's like a it is a sixth sense I think and I think you're right like maybe you would have that with Android or something like that but for me, for me it's always been like that sounds like something that sounds about right <laughs> like I don't know like like that always like that always comes into my mind like I'm always like the instant someone mentions like a problem I'm always thinking to myself okay well it's probably that and maybe it's compounding with this error that always happens and so and what what version is that okay so maybe Windows updates broken as well and. Like it's it's crazy. Like I I think it might I think IT broke me when I worked professionally. Like it broke my thought process because the instant someone starts talking, wouldn't break it. It added a thought process where like the instant someone starts talking about a problem with their Windows computer, I'm like, oh wait, it's probably this. <laughs> like it's it's craziness. But I, I I was always told that too. People are always like, why do you like Windows Server? And I was like, because because they they would always say it was crazy. Their words, they would always say it's crazy, and I'm like, it's crazy, but it I understand it. I understand the craziness and because I've invested the time to understand it, I like it. That might be crazy. I might be crazy. But anyway, my weekly pain point is, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, Jesus. My weekly pain point is coughing. Apparently my weekly pain point is actually not based on work, but based on a hobby. So right now I'm trying to set up a huge, I mean, I say it's huge, but it's not huge. Not, not huge in the enterprise sense. But I'm trying to set up a big old data array. I'm trying to set up a big old NAS, um, get a RAID going, 
Uh, we bought, I, I bought on Prime Day a couple of, uh, I'm just going to turn my head here, uh, a couple of Toshiba hard drives, couldn't remember the manufacturer, a couple of Toshiba hard drives that were eight terabytes a piece. Um, they were, uh, I can't remember how much off now on Amazon Canada during Prime Day, but I got a really good deal. I know that. And so what I basically want is I want to upgrade my storage because I am going to start backing up all my photos, all my videos, all my everything locally. And so now what I'm looking at is NAS. And uh, so NAS is network attached storage. And I'd never noticed this as being a problem in the past, but it's, and it's not a problem for the consumer. I think it, the issue comes in for where I'm a prosumer. So I know this is a weekly pain point. It's supposed to be brief, but I got to kind of explain this. So when you go look at a NAS on, on Amazon, just a standard, like if you're, if you don't really know what you're doing, but you know, you want like hard, hard drive storage, like, um, that is attached to your network and accessible from all your computers in the house. Let's say you'll go to. Amazon, type in NAS, and there's a bunch there. But these NASs, in general, I'm talking in general, not all of them, please do your research, are built, like, full built-in systems. They have an ARM CPU or another type of CPU with x86 um, architecture. They have RAM. They have, in rare, very rare cases, a GPU, depending on what this thing does. Um, actually, I've never seen one with a GPU, so maybe I'm wrong there. But, like, it's a computer. It's a computer, and it runs, like, a Linux, or it runs, like, a custom thing, like, TOS, it runs like a custom OS and then you can do certain things with it. Whereas what I was more or less looking for was I already have a server infrastructure in the house. So I was kind of more or less looking for a place to dock the hard drives so I could access them over the network and like rate, like raid them is that's not the right term, but I make them into a raid such that that server that is accessing it remotely is controlling it. And so now I'm, now I'm in this weird pseudo realm where now we're looking at maybe I should be buying higher end higher end slightly older hardware to build like a computer to put the drives in and then this computer will be my storage server like my hard drive server whatever you want to call it it'll be my NAS is what it is what it is and then it'll control everything but then maybe I can actually offload some of the applications from my main server onto this thing now that it's more powerful and free up some resources on my other server because one of the things that's annoying is I like to sort of play with my servers. Like, it's sort of like a hobby, as nerdy as that is. And what will happen is is I'll have to have that server up because people will be using it. And, like, I don't... It's my it's my infrastructure, so, like, I just want to take it down. Like, it's a hobby. It's This isn't, like, a website where I have to, like, make sure all the users are okay. And so when people complain that it's down, I get annoyed. So, like, I have, like, an old server set up for them. So now I'm trying to offload it. It's a whole thing. I'm not going to get into the whole infrastructure, but um, that's where I'm at. That's my weekly pain point, and uh, it may be convoluted now, but that's where it is. I don't know whether that was explained well, Mike. I know you were listening there. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'm not – might have been too long. <laughs> it was It was definitely too long. Yeah. Like, I know it was I know it was going to be too long, um, yeah. but, I, like, how else am I supposed to explain I don't <laughs> like, know. Yeah, like I a... don't know how else you can explain that without – Without the lengthy explanation, but okay. Just like uh, NAS, and then, then just like, yeah. all right, now moving on. Uh, no. <laughs> um, okay, so so this episode is an interview episode, of course, and today we sit down with, and I'm going to butcher this name, and I apologize profusely for this. Uh, it's uh, We sit down with Knut Melvach, uh, the head of developer relations at Sanity.io. He has extensive experience in research, teaching, writing, and more. He has also acted as a technology consultant, holding workshops for user research, technology strategy, and web development. And in today's discussion, we'll be focusing on a topic that we recently touched on, the headless CMS, 
with a particular focus on Sanity.io. So let's cut right to that interview right now. Alrighty, everybody, we have Knut on the line, and uh, we'd just like to uh, welcome him to the show and ask him what's new. So uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, what you've been up to these days. Yeah, sure. Uh, thanks for having me. And yeah, so I'm Knut. I am, as you said, the head of developer relations at Sanity. Um, currently, I'm on vacation, actually, trying to recharge before an eventful uh, fall. Uh, we have just opened a new office in San Francisco because we are, uh, for this year, we have been based in Oslo, in Norway. Uh, you may hear that I'm not perhaps a native English speaker. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we have lots of cool stuff coming up, and I'm so looking forward to not having a vacation anymore. And <laughs> just get started with all, all the stuff. Yeah. I think that's probably the first, you're probably the first person I've ever heard that says I'm, I'm ready to get started. Everyone's always like, ah, oh, vacation's ending, you know, here we go kind of thing. But uh, it kind of sounds like you're really in love with the industry. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, seriously. It, it is so fun, like working for Sanity and uh, just like talking with developers every day, writing the tutorials and, and the blogs and stuff, uh, having a great time. Awesome. Well, I think what we'll do is we'll just jump right in here. Um, and uh, I have a list of questions here. Uh, list of questions here that I think are going to be pretty interesting. Um, if uh, if you haven't heard in the introduction already, uh, for the listener out there, that we will be uh, focusing on uh, Sanity IO, uh, which is of course a headless CMS, and uh, we'll also be touching on some other CMSs as well. So uh, it's going to be going to be a pretty good conversation, I think. Here, so number one, right right off the hop here. Um, what other CMSs do you have experience with and how do they compare to Sanity IO? Yeah, so we, we have like five hours like to, to like unpack this. Uh oh <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. So yeah, uh, as I, I probably most of the listeners and you as well, I, I started like the web development with WordPress uh, like ages ago and did that for a, a good while before I started in a, an agency. And there I had the fortune or vice versa of, of, of having to deal with a lot of different CMSs uh, because clients. Um, so I have been uh, working with uh, everything from Episerver to Drupal to Crop to Statamic and what have you. And some of the CMSs are great, and some of the CMSs are perhaps not so great, not at least from a developer perspective. But um, to compare them to Sanity, so we tend to describe Sanity as a platform for structured content. And that's not just to be fancy, uh, not to say headless CMS, but it is actually a hosted backend. Uh, with some APIs that lets you like write and read structured content easily. And it comes also with this uh, uh, thing we call Sanity Studio, which is perhaps like the CMS, uh, which is this React app that you can customize. And we have a bunch of tooling and libraries and stuff to, to make it easier for you to integrate that with the, the front end of your choosing. And already there you have sort of a difference between maybe the WordPresses and the crafts, which is more like, a, like a, there you have like the backend and the data storage and everything in 
in sort of one package that you have to install on a server and you have to manage the database and so on. And it comes with a templating language like Twig or PHP or something. And the front end and the CMS is pretty tightly integrated. Um, yeah. Okay, great. Okay. Yeah, so basically basically for the listener out there, it's basically basically Sanity IO differs from something like WordPress because WordPress is more or less all together like you're if you're on like a traditional host, you kind of have your database and you have your your front end and everything all right there together, but then Sanity like you were saying is sort of is sort of more like you have your database somewhere else and then you kind of pull your information to your website, you know, kind of remotely. Um do you have any do you have any like larger clients or do you find people that actually would like it or that actually will use it the other way around where they don't pull it from the sanity cloud like can you do that or so um your content will always like be if you if you're using sanity it's, uh, your content will always be like in the sanity cloud um this this is this is a sort of uh, people get confused and um understandable so because it's not the typical sort of model, but since we are like real time um, and scalable, that's not like an easy thing to do yourself. So we we are just doing it for you. And uh, the the CMS part, like the Sanity Studio, that's just a React app. That's a React single page application, uh, like this bundle that just connects to these APIs. Um, and the thing is that you can run that locally and you can run it on localhost, but it right. still connects to the remote cloud and just syncs all the content uh, in real time, like Google Docs or something. Okay. Okay, great. Yeah. Um, so now if now we've gone to the second question here, because I think this kind of flows in nicely to it. So if I were a what I'm going to call a web traditionalist, um, using things like WordPress or other site builders, and then you wanted me to actually use or you know migrate over to Sanity IO. What would your elevator pitch be to get me to get off of my platform and jump onto Sanity? <laughs> so uh, what Sanity allows you is to build quickly without having to like worry about uh, what kind of JavaScript front-end framework you will be using next year or um, having to worry about like managing a, a database yourself um, and still be able to customize and configure like the editorial experience like you can do with, for example, WordPress. Uh, and so we have like trying to try to take away all the difficult parts of, of having, uh, of building in CMS uh, uh, and do and make it like easier to just get started and get going with, with something. Um, and of course, having it on a hosted backend, like on a hosted data storage, that makes you not have to worry about the security stuff that you often have to worry about with WordPress. And, um, and yeah, and you get all this stuff out of the box, like image pipelines and, and everything. So that would perhaps be my elevator pitch if this was a long elevator ride. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> well, the the yeah, actually, funny enough, what you mentioned that <laughs> stuff is because because the um, one of the things that Mike and I actually just recently did was we did a uh, an analysis for a for a customer, and we were looking through a bunch of their WordPress stuff. And the very first thing, because we we work with this WordPress, uh, we work with this WordPress expert, and and the very first thing we we're doing, we we're like, oh, maybe we can do this with content, maybe we can do that with content. And he was like, no, pump the brakes, you know, wait, we have to look at these plugins, we have to look at this, we have to look at that, we have to make sure before we even touch anything that we can actually even do this kind of stuff with this, you know, with this template or with these plugins or with whatever. But then alternatively, we're looking at building our, our website. So the HTML, all the things website actually on to on sanity. And that was one of the very first things like you're saying, it's kind of like it's rapid fire. It's all kind of ready to image pipelines, all the rest of it. And Mike immediately messaged me. I think I was in the middle of a field actually. And Mike messaged me, he's like, <laughs> Oh, I just tried sanity and I already have a couple of posts ready. So I think we're basically ready to go. Like, you know, obviously we don't have a, a nice like front end built up yet uh, and a nice like UI, but he's like, we already have this CMS ready. Whereas we were like not arguing, but debating back and forth for weeks. Meanwhile, this was, what did you say? Was it 10 minutes, Mike, to get up and running or something like that? Yeah. Just to get started with the dashboard and logged in and all that was probably like half an hour to get something and then already be able to query the posts that I was creating in the, in the, the backend. Which yeah. is incredible. Oh, yeah, this, yeah, this was exactly the same way I got like on board um, because I discovered Sanity when when working in this agency, and uh, we we had we had started like redoing our own website, and we had started in another headless CMS. Uh, I will not mention the name. <laughs> uh, it was kind of not like it was kind of sucky, uh, and then I got uh, access to the Sanity beta. And like within two hours, I had like, uh, I was up and running with the same stuff we had in the other CMS and I could query it. And it, it was, it felt so much faster, even though I was writing like this JavaScript schemas and stuff. So that, that made me immediately fall, fall in love with, uh, with Sanity. And after that, I, I brought like, I, I, we had like pitch meetings, like sales meetings. And I was just installing Sanity in the meeting and just, <laughs> mapping out some basic content schemas from the conversation. And when we left the meeting, we can, I could say, yeah, we all have, already have the CMS installed. We can already already begin with the content work and stuff. So yeah, what, what are we waiting for? And it, it kind of worked uh, and sometimes, of course, yeah. some clients have some other uh, other uh, needs and stuff, but, uh, but yeah. So yeah. being able to like get started quickly, that's one of the core things, I think we are working on making possible for sure and to build on that a little bit that those uh, schemas the the javascript schemas that you're talking about that really kind of brought me in as well i'm a big uh, i mean I, I think most developers have have a good familiarity with json and json and javascript objects and stuff like that when when you understand that you kind of understand most of the fundamentals of sanity of the schemas uh and i i really like how they're structured um so that kind of brought me in quicker than other CMSs that I've tried, other headless CMSs and other other ones. Cause I, I went through probably like two or three during my search. And then when I kind of, I actually uh, learned about Sanity from uh, the Syntax podcast and I've been, you know, I, I listened to that a while ago and then all of a sudden I was like, Hey, that's right. They, they were talking about a headless CMS. So I tried that out. And as soon as I got in and then I was like, okay, so I can, I can get the CMS up and running quickly, but can I even edit any of the fields? How, how fast is that? And then 
as soon as I was able to do that, that's when I messaged Matt. I was like, okay, we're good. <laughs> yeah. And, um, we often get, often we sometimes get, get this question, why don't you have like this graphical interface for like the content model? But it, it's so powerful to just like, uh, I need a validation and I can just use like regular JavaScript to, to define that validation for this field. That's super powerful. Or I, I need just some predefined language strings for my, my, my language input. And you can just npm install a package with the language uh, codes and just use that like to build schemas. And that, that's super powerful. Yeah. And it puts the power into the developer's hands, right? Because like you said, uh, some people want that graphical user interface, but when you're looking at a JSON, especially when you're on developer side, you see that not only can you do everything in there, but eventually in the future, you can hook it into a front end of your liking. So you can create that front end for those schemas at some point in the future because it's open source. You can do, you can hook up to it as, as, as you like. Um, I think that's a big power of JSON as well. And I've been kind of using that approach for all of my clients and all of my like internal work as well. I've been building the JSON out, getting that all figured out and adjusted. And then once that's all done, once the client's ready to integrate with the backend, create a backend for like a front end for the backend, then I start talking about, you know, creating a visual interface. But I think with, just with JSON, I've even got some non-developers just quickly ran them through maybe a 10, 20 minute introduction to what JSON is, how to edit it and stuff like that. And I've had them, you know, adding, adding objects, editing objects, creating like more, com more complex queries and stuff like that. So I, I definitely appreciate that you just, you know, you give that very good base for working on. Yeah. And, and I think that not perhaps that obvious when you start using Sanity is that you can actually just take a file and have like the, with the JSON, uh, objects for, for the content and you can just import that to, to the sanity cloud. And then you can start like mapping out some of the keys as fields in the studio afterwards. So you don't have to even start with studio just to get going to have like the API available. That's cool. Just, you can just any JSON object object. You can just like import it. Uh, with that actually being said, then um, I think it's a great, yeah. a great transition into the next question. Um, what what sort of path then is there for someone migrating from a more traditional website layout, maybe maybe migrating from WordPress um, or other or other things? Like, what if they already have data there? Do they need to get the studio set up, and is there a way to import it? Like, how would you do that migration? Yeah, that's that's an interesting question because I already mentioned this like concept like structured content without actually explaining it, right? And um, when migrating for, from WordPress, for example, uh, WordPress is more of a page-focused CMS, if, uh, if that's like okay to say. <laughs> um, I know that uh, most people are using like advanced custom fields and stuff to have a bit of more structured content thinking going, but it's very like, HTML and, and pages and, uh, and so on. So uh, Sanity was actually created for uh, this um, like famous architecture uh, firm called OMA. And they had like a WordPress site uh, and they wanted uh, a, new, a new thing. And uh, when the, like the agency that now is Sanity uh, it used to be like a design agency. When they like created Sanity, they wanted to 
to have everything queryable. So they don't, didn't want like have architects and buildings and stuff like uh, defined in running HTML text in a, from a rich text field because that's not queryable. You can't not, you can't reuse that in any uh, easy way. So migrating for WordPress, you can of course just recreate like the post and pages content model in Sanity and just sort of just um, convert HTML to portable text and then get a get it pretty much similar. But you may not want to do that. You may want to rethink how you structure your content and and try to to think what what is the stuff that makes my business or organization. Uh, is it posts or pages, or is it products or and persons? What what is what is the th what what is the things? And try and like map things into those new categories uh, and models. So that's kind of like the consultant answer. <laughs> uh, use this as a like a chance to like rethink how you structure your content to make it reusable in any way, and. Uh, if you manage to get that content like in these JSON objects and give them a type, then you're pretty much set to go. Right, because that that's a good point. Because like a lot of a a lot of a WordPress site is oftentimes going to be the blog, and at the end of the day, the main thing that they're going to want to preserve, even if it's years and years worth, would be the actual blog content themselves. So as long as they can kind of grab that rich text stuff and and basically you know more or less copy paste it into into sanity if there was a rich text field put, set up for them in sanity they would be able to do that with with relative ease like it wouldn't certainly be like a one click but th this would kind of give them that opportunity to sort of separate that data into better better like more like english english uh like fields if you will like i noticed in wordpress for example like you'll have like a like a byline like in your blog like normal so you have your title your byline and then your rich text field and yeah. oftentimes you'll have like something where like the byline is like not in the page. It's like in a plugin, which is like related to the page and it's like yeah. all over the place. So it's not in that same data set, if you will, but it displays to the user like it is. And it's just really confusing. So this is sort of like almost a way to clean your data, if that makes sense. Absolutely. And um, I find it often puzzling because, well, WordPress is so popular, of course, now that uh, having to deal with a WordPress XML export file, that's not fun. <laughs> no, no, definitely uh, not. <laughs> but but uh, for example, if, if, you, if you had to like leave Sanity and like use something else, uh, that's just Sanity dataset export. And then we will just export all your content like in this nice JSON like delin uh, delineated uh, files. Uh, and that's, that's much easier to to convert to something else than like parsing the XML that comes out from the, all the plugins and stuff in WordPress. Most so, most definitely, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I think it's easier to to like get away from Sanity than get away from WordPress, but it's probably worth getting away from WordPress uh, from from my, where I'm standing at least. <laughs> you have to take everything with a sort of, sort of some grains of salt. It's, I'm, I'm working at Sunday, I guess. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it, it, it is fair though, too, because it's, it's, it's like, if you like kind of what Mike said too, is, is sanity is more sort of developed for the developer. If that makes sense, where like developers like to have obviously like clean, 
clean cut like solutions where their data sets are all together and they're labeled properly like like i said like the title and the bylines and that type of thing whereas with wordpress it's very i would say wordpress is more you can obviously have developers that build the plugins and build the themes and that type of thing but at the end of the day it's oftentimes the user that goes like oh i need to put a new header image in here and my theme doesn't allow me to do that let me just look for this plugin and they don't realize that when they look for that plugin, that plugin's handling it with something totally different. And they don't realize that in the back end, that when they export it or when they hire a developer to eventually migrate, that it's all over the place because they, you know, they don't understand, obviously. It's more of a consumerized process. Yeah, so, so you're absolutely correct that uh, we, are, we are trying to make a tool for developers and make it easy for developers to, to make their clients happy. Uh, so if your client needs that new header, it should be like an easy thing for you as a developer to just add so they don't have to grab any random uh, Bitcoin mining plugin there out there. <laughs> so, so yeah, absolutely. And yeah, that's why we chose to have the content schemas in, in code as well, because uh, at the end of the day, that's, that schema are going to be used in code. So why not just have it in code? Definitely. And, and, and this actually kind of goes really, really well into the next question, um, talking about like consumers and developers and, and the UX. So the next question here is like from a UX perspective, um, how important do you think holding a client's hand through the creation of a page is? And so, for example, um, having separate fields uh, for the title, the byline and the body, rather than just having, let's say, one big rich text field and then to make the pages all consistent the user has to you know copy one of their old pages paste it and then delete the data and re reuse that structure but just with new content how how like this is a a big conversation that's actually come up in our discord a few times yeah so the way i i like to work is to actually not 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 maybe holding hands but at least sit with the client and map like talk about what they need for the content and uh, try to understand what they actually need and not just what they think they need, right? Right. Um, but also, yeah, it's it's good to like have a bit of structure and where you can like add a, a field, but you shouldn't go completely overboard uh, either because then they tend tend to be uh, tend to be a bit of a, more of a heavy way to, to work with content because at the end of the day they just need to get done done their work so finding kind of the middle ground um between having something very structured where every you like encode every component that you imagine you will have um that being said uh in the rich text editor i don't know if you have like delved into this yet but uh, you can make these custom types so it's similar to what you can do in, in the new Gutenberg uh, editor uh, in, in WordPress. But you can make these custom types, so you can like make this um, image with a text overlay type or video embed or whatever. And if you use some of these, they can work in the rich text field, but still produce uh, deeply typed rich text. Because on the on other side of the editor, it's it's not HTML that is stored. It's this portable text format that we have, so it will always be like highly structured for you as a developer, no matter what they are doing in the in the editor. So so yeah, 
trying to like find a middle middle ground and at the start of the project maybe not go too overboard with all all the fields and all the types keep it a bit simple that's that's, a, that's super interesting because i i just started thinking about about that is is like it's a really good point to say that you know you want the ux to be really great but at the same time the, the customer will slowly get familiar with it so like maybe the first time holding like the first time if you were to make things really handholdish if that's a word um handholdish like throughout the procedure they might really appreciate that but then eventually you're right like they're going to be like man i just want to post this and i have to fill out 10 10 like fields here when i could have just you know grabbed a bunch of this and pasted so you kind of need that middle ground where you're like the customer needs to be introduced to it and understands it and it you know it's clear cut and the page is built correctly but at the same time you don't want to hinder them where it's like no 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 don't just copy paste everything do each line individually and then they're just you know it's added work you don't want to add work to them yeah, and actually, I find it quite easier to make web pages and design and stuff like that when you have the content, like some real content there, um, and trying to like trying to not force, but like trying to get the, the client to actually do a bit of content work before you start like designing out the pages and stuff. It's probably good because it, then you will uncover uh, some needs, some things that you can perhaps rethink uh, and stuff so you don't have to like come at the end of the project and, and discover that man we needed this completely different content type that we didn't know about right and there are some good resources to like how to work in this way like with social content and stuff that one can check out if one's interested sure yeah, it, yeah. It's, it, it is a big it is a big thing for sure like yeah. it, it is a big thing for people where where they, like, like Mike and I, for example, will always struggle trying to get customers to develop content first. But yeah, that's like, that's the hardest thing. It's it's critical, right? It's it's yeah. it's so critical. It is, and uh, I know, like, uh, there's another, there's like this field called content strategy, and the one thing that they are like always talking about is like content first design, like think about the words and stuff you want to say and the user tasks you need to like fill with this content. Exactly. Not, not just fill on, on the page. Yeah. I feel like it's really hard to get that through to a customer, right? Like we, we had some, some situations where like the customer wants to rank in Google and SEO and then wants to have their site look good. And, but the, also, we have you have to like they have to understand and you have to put into their minds the work that they have to put in for that like there's only so much a developer can do and a de and a designer the customer that wants to get their site up there has to continually yeah. edit and massage their work as well their content and uh, i think yeah like w with sanity uh we we have noticed that the the tool definitely does influence the ability or the the want the need to go in there and actually edit it like we've had some customers that are like okay well i've been using wordpress and i hate going in there like i just like not to diss wordpress wordpress is great for many things i don't want to you know put everything down <laughs> on wordpress but like there's we we have this is firsthand experience many customers come to us and be like i hate dealing with this like whoever set this up however they set it up this has been a, a disaster to deal with because every time i go in there there's red things flashing at me there's 15 different things that need my attention and then there's me going in there and trying to just you know edit a couple words or make a post like i don't need all this other stuff uh and it, it just having that will make them log out 
right? And they, they won't want to do it. And they won't want to go back in. So I think one of the things that a, a, a thing like Sanity or any other really massageable headless CMS or really well-designed headless CMS allows you to do is to give the customer only what they need. Only yeah, exactly. what they do and it really does help like even even for us like even for matt and i we talk about this all the time yes it's important to have like a good ui and good structure and all that for the client but it's important for us as well like we have to go in there and edit our own sites so if we if we're seeing a like a terrible ui or a terrible ux we're not going to want to do that and we're also going to be demotivated to go in and help either our clients or ourselves to do better and and provide better content to everyone yeah, absolutely. And, and uh, yeah, so, so we, are, we are, of course, standing on the shoulders of, of WordPress. Mm -hmm. we, we are able now to like, take, learn from what perhaps is not that great in WordPress and, and make that better. Uh, and I, I, use, I, I, like, I produce content in Sanity every day. Uh, so I, I will be your most critical user uh, <laughs> when it doesn't work for me. I, I, I tell my co colleagues that. So, so yeah, so we even tried to make it actually responsive so you can actually use this video on your cell phone, uh, just because I tend to do that. <laughs> Not just for me, of course, but, but yeah, so stuff like that is super important. And, and well, I was going to say like the, the cell phone integration is actually very important because we, we've developed, we've developed with other uh, CMSs in the past where we've made it so that the customer is able to like, I mean, just something as simple as they write a post and it's a time to post. So it's something that has to go up when they're done a certain event. Let's say they're doing a talk and then need it to go up immediately after the talk. Well, they can't exactly yeah. schedule that because they don't know like, Hey, what if the talk's delayed by an hour now it's being released like whatever now it's being released late and they don't want to copy paste all the content and so just something as simple as they can log into the cms and like uncheck a box like you know stop hiding this publish is like super helpful for them right yeah uh yeah and you can even like make this content type that has holds both the talk and the text for it <laughs> i actually made like a, a slide like i integrated it with the um, reveal js that's like the i think it's the library behind strides.com so you can actually also make strides with sanity oh wow <laughs> like apropos that's pretty cool uh yeah it kind of sounds like as, as we as we build the the html all the things website we're going to end up like coming up with like a million and one ideas and then mike and i are going to go crazy trying to like offer a million a million uh, services to our customers like no no no, you guys should be using this try this try this like we want to try building this yet <laughs> so yeah i've seen Lots of cool things. Actually, so we had like um, a design agency that used Sanity just for the editorial process behind a recipe book. And what they did was to, they wrote a script that produced these InDesign XML files uh, from like Sanity content and uh, just used that in InDesign when they typeset the book. Oh, wow. So you are pretty, you can use it for many things. <laughs> I'm 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 definitely going to be interested. I have a couple of app ideas that I think a couple of web app ideas that I think I might use this for and that type of thing and and I'm pretty interested in in getting into the the website first, learning the basics and then maybe trying some more advanced stuff. So I'm, I'm definitely I'm definitely there. I definitely want to try some some integrations and stuff like that for sure. Yeah, um, and uh, if you write uh, sanity install podcast, you'll get the podcast schemas. 
Okay. Like in your, so, and I also made a migration tool. So if you want to host your podcast with something, you, you can do that. And I'm not saying that you should, but you can. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, with that, with that being said, then um, are there are there any types of websites that Sanity IO isn't good for, and uh, if there are any that it isn't good for, what uh, for what reasons would that be? Um, <laughs> that, of course, uh, I'm tempted to say no. <laughs> there is, <laughs> uh, I guess it's more like it's more about the expectations and the context around who's using the stuff. Uh, I think because if if all you have is a website and if your client doesn't really have uh, access to a developer out of the project and wants to do stuff, uh, then perhaps something like Squarespace or whatever would be a better fit. Right. But I think as long as you have like a developer um, dealing with the with the project. Uh, I think Sanity can do most stuff. Uh, you will never get like the what you see is what you get experience that you have with some of the the monolith CMSs that lets you like edit the actual website, like how it looks. Right, like but, clicking uh, into the page and like clicking on yeah, the exactly. body to edit. Right. So if you want that, perhaps Sanity isn't what you should go for. No, at least not now. Okay. Is there any, there's no, uh, there's no plans or anything like that. I don't know if you'd even be able to divulge that, but there's no plans or anything like that to make a page editor in that, in, in any sort of capacity like that. Uh, we want to make it easier to, uh, reuse some of the form, uh, stuff in the front and the context, uh, and make it easier to have what we can call guest submitted content. Um, okay. So it's not exactly like a WYSIWYG page builder, but uh, like make it easier to get content from other sources uh, than the studio. Um, but you certainly could build that. I'm not sure that we are going to because there are so many different front-end technologies. <laughs> so it would be like crazy API maintenance surface to like try to build that for everything. But uh, who knows? Yeah. I think like you kind of don't want to to do that because you're a headless CMS. You want to be separated from that front end as much as possible, as far as I know, is so that any front end in the future that comes out, like uh, Svelte is coming and stuff like that, you can just be plug in directly into that. Whereas if you were to develop a your own front end, not only was that, I mean, you would have to increase your team by a considerable size, but you'd be kind of pigeonholing yourselves, or maybe not even that, but I feel like a perception would start to develop where yeah. uh, people would be like, well, they're developing their own front end, so they're not going to you know, support extensibility with other front ends in the future, and that could be a detrimental effect. Yeah. And uh, as we talked about, it perhaps removes the, the awareness of what structured content is, mm -hmm. uh, and perhaps just having readily available previews so that you can see the different contexts where the content is used and have those like preview the changes. Uh, that's probably a good like middle ground. For yeah, sure. Because that, that, that's how most people, at least in my experience, that's how most people even even use something like WordPress. They'll 
they'll rarely like I'd say maybe like even like 20% of our customers who touch WordPress, I would say use the the on page editor, most of them dive right into the actual back end, right where they can edit with like the forms, basically the CMS itself. So for sure, that would be like a great middle ground just to be able to quickly back and forth preview it. Yeah, um, I guess most editors, they are, they are familiar, they know what they are doing, like where stuff goes. Um, it's more like the, the people that just are in CMS once in a while that perhaps have a harder time when you don't see the end result immediately. Definitely. Yeah, we, we definitely like, we'll have a few, we'll have a few guys who will definitely struggle with even like, they'll be really non-tech savvy. And so they'll struggle with languages like even like sidebar and they're not, they're not really sure what that means, even though, you know, it's just on the side, you'd think, oh, that's obvious. But for some people they're like sidebar, where's that? But it's so much easier for them just to click on the page and then click on the sidebar. Right. So. Yeah. And as a developer, what you can do in the front end is to make this subtle edit button uh because it's really easy to make the links to what wherever the document is uh within the studio so you can make like an edit button that takes you right to the context where you can edit that content oh that's a good oh, idea that's cool. yeah. okay so that makes it a bit easier and then you also have uh an affordance in the studio to like preview to like open a link based on the document you are in so you can make sort of these workflows that takes you a long way oh wow okay yeah, we're going to have to start taking some notes, Mike. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm already doing it, don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> we just listen to this episode afterwards. <laughs> yeah, really, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, let our Discord communities make the notes for us, yeah. <laughs> um, so with, with, with all that then, um, kind of touching on something that WordPress does a lot and you guys kind of have dabbled in a bit, user-created plugins. So what is your take on user-created plugins uh, they can add a great deal of functionality, but they can also add a great deal of complexity, as we've seen with the massive amount of plugins that are used on even the simplest of WordPress websites. Yeah, good question. Um, so we are like totally, absolutely fans of, of user-created plugins. We we love the, those that are made already. We haven't like give it, given it a huge push yet because we want to uh stabilize and document some of the apis in the studio uh to make it a bit easier to make plugins and and not having people use stuff that we are probably going to refactor at some point uh but uh, that being said i think that since the studio is it's it's mainly about like inputs for structured content. So I think it's a bit, the scope is narrower uh, for plugins than compared to WordPress that where you can do all sorts of shenanigans, right? So I think that will make it a bit more focused, um, I hope, and then we will try to help and, and be a good host for those plugins uh, and give feedback and stuff to make it great. Um, so that I think that's my answer. And of course, the plugins is it's React components, and we have tried to make it easy to to do the patching and stuff. Um, so yeah, um, <laughs> the 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 one thing that always comes up in any you you can confirm this, of course, but uh, in my experience. The one thing that always comes up in any client project that involves a CMS is they want some tables. 
yeah. Okay. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 And tables are kind of a nightmare because it's so easy to misuse them. Um, and that's why we, we didn't make a table input actually for, for sanity. Uh, but then somebody did. <laughs> and that's great um, that, uh, that people can do that. So there are actually two table plugins now that you can choose from. <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, yeah. And then, and then we just shipped the dashboard thing uh, with the widgets. And uh, then there you can make, like, I think we have a Minesweeper widget, actually. Uh, that you need that, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> For, your clients uh, down. <laughs> Yeah. And I made, uh, it's silly, of course, but I made a web amp. Somebody, re like, redid Winamp in React. So it's, okay. it's like, it's, it's, it's like the old Winamp app, like, <laughs> but just in React. So I made the plugin that wraps, just wraps that app so you can open all your, your uh, audio files uh, in this WebAmp thing in Studio. So making, uh, making a bit silly stuff is also fun, just to make CMS a bit fun again. I bet that would, I bet someone's going to find a good use for that. Like, I know it, it seems silly now, but I bet you that there's some like, developer that has added that because they know that their client is extreme like loves music and as soon as they log in they play a certain playlist from that winamp and it makes their client like more creative or something i don't know i'm just just an example but i bet you like those silly things that people add are actually used for something less silly yeah which probably <laughs> yeah and a, but a better example perhaps is we have this english fashion magazine um they needed like um, they wanted, of course, scheduled posting and stuff. Uh, so the developer just made like this cool calendar thing as a tool where he mapped out the different uh, posts and stuff like in the calendar. And he probably just repurposed like this React calendar component and just like make, make it, made it work with, with the studio. Mm -hmm. So like empowering people to do stuff like that without having to, to ask or wait for us to do it. That's, that's pretty great. I think. That's awesome. Yeah. That's uh, I, I really like the fact that kind of like the data is separate from the, the backend front end. So you yeah. can really do all, like, that's extremely powerful, right? Like you can do a lot with that. I'm sure you've had some clients that have even written their own complete react or whatever other uh, front end for their editing. I don't know yeah, if that we, Yeah, uh, we have actually. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's crazy. And we so have clients that don't, don't use the studio at all, just use like the backend, like the, the data store. The data store, yeah, that's that's great. Mm -hmm. I, I, I really, like, again, because this provides ultimate flexibility. So you have the data that's separate, that's a data store, that's, that's stored on the Sanity cloud. Then you have the front end for that data, so the editor. The content studio, which is a React app that you've developed for like interacting with the data, yeah. But again, that's separate. And then you have the front end for your clients, the the actual UI, which is also completely separate. And all all those things can kind of be interchanged a little bit. Maybe not the data, but at least the the you know the CMS and the front end can be completely interchanged while leaving your your data intact. I like that. I didn't really think about that before. Now that you've brought it up and kind of put everything together, it, it does, it makes a lot of sense. And it like, 
makes me less worried about eventual like if if we if there's need for migration or you know i think developers in general are always worried about that because yeah. we we our industry develops so quickly so we're always looking for a way out for some reason even when we're just starting in a different technology so it's nice to have that like in there even though maybe you will never leave because most of the time i don't think people leave like people have been using wordpress for so long but um it's just like you know settles yeah. me down I, I sometimes say in just that it's so easy to to uh, leave sanity that you probably won't <laughs> but but yeah um and uh, for all we know some people could actually just make their own studio uh to these anti apis and, and that's a it's a cool thing to have like this open source editor experience because that means that we we can't hide any of the apis we have to like uh give you all the apis that the studio use as well so you will have like access to the same write apis uh, the patching apis and stuff and the listening apis so that makes you a first class api citizen and what people can do with that is pretty exciting so i look forward to 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 see what people will will do yeah and that's that's super awesome and i think i think that leads right into uh my next question here uh because like services like this are starting to exist where sanity and netlify and they offer a pretty generous free tier. Yeah. There seems to be like a paradigm shift in hosting costs for smaller businesses or developers and hosting their own websites. Um, do you know what the reasons are for this? Like w why it's moving towards that goal? Like why is there, because it seems to me, and this is kind of like my own observation. I could be wrong in fact, cause I haven't done the calculations, a small business that gets, not that much traffic that just kind of wants a business card website out there just so people can find them on a day-to-day -day basis. They really don't need to pay for hosting anymore. No, probably not. Uh, and yeah, so if I know it's, it's, uh, it's one thing, uh, what I think is that it's a combination of like hosting technologies and like the stuff that goes behind uh, services like Netlify and stuff, it, it has become so much easier. Um, I will not claim that Kubernetes is easy, but it makes a whole bunch of stuff that was pretty hard before much more easy, right? Uh, for the people that knows that stuff. Um, so the complexity, like all the way down, ha has decreased. Uh, so you will be able to offer like services like that for cheaper. And I think also the strategy here is to, it's really that, it's a bet that developers in all kinds of organizations will have more of a say of, uh, of which tools and, and uh, services they want to use. And if you can provide this great developer experience, that's probably a good thing. Uh, so if, if, if uh, getting in like, um getting a developer to be used to deploy on netlify and use sanity for their hobby projects is worth it if they bring that to to work like uh, it's almost like slack you know slack began kind of like this thing that some developers and technical minded people wanted to use uh, because they didn't want to use whatever they used uh, on, on on work 
and then the, it just grew to become this like <laughs> big thing and now it's all all pro professional and, and stuff so so i think like betting on the developer is part of the the plan here yeah absolutely and i think like the the loyalty that you gain from this as well because once you're once you're in it like like i said i i recently spun up the sanity cms a back end and a netlify front end all together maybe within the span of an hour something like that all for free all with continuous integration built in all with like a full fully functioning cms all the data stored all clouded right <laughs> so i don't have to worry about like all of the it yeah. seems like a ridiculous set of features right to have for free like continuous integration on its own with with netlify is a whole other discussion but that's a crazy offering that you get for free because uh, i is. know with clients uh we've had this like discussion many many times we're like well we want like larger app development clients we want to be able to with a team of people obviously have like a link where we can have continuous integration and we've had we've had to have that developed in the past with jenkins and all that and when i showed one of my clients netlify recently this was maybe like a month or two ago and i made them go through this whole process they went through and they're like what's the catch <laughs> like i just yeah. spent thousands of dollars on that yeah it's it's and it's so easy to take for granted when you have done like the netlify deployments a couple <laughs> of times and uh and just think back a couple of the years how much work that would be like if you should like reproduce what you actually did with the global cdn and stuff it's, yeah. it's pretty wild <laughs> global, yeah. global cdn CS, ssl like every, yeah this integration it just it's non-stop custom domains for free like it just it's crazy and then there's sanity which has also a ton of features like you know you have all your security features built in for free as well which i was surprised with and you have that like you know the developer studio syncing uh, the creator studio syncing local to your local studio. So you have that constant syncing happening. So really I don't technically have to host that studio with you. I can go and host it myself on DigitalOcean or something like that in the future. And give, it, again, it's that like peace of mind where it gives me that out if I want to, not that I would because your, your actual tiers are so generous. Like I said, and Matt and I have talked about this, I think on the podcast before, but we've, we've kind of, thought it out where uh until we start to generate income from like an html the things website or from a different website that we're making we don't actually have to put like you know pay for hosting of both so yeah uh well yeah uh, perhaps uh, so uh what the perhaps should make clear here is that i think our tiers are pretty generous uh and uh, this is sometimes missed because I, I suspect because of the design on the pricing page, but every tier has something called pay as you go. So if you go over the quotas for the API calls and stuff, you can just add a credit card and just pay for the overages without having to change the tiers. So uh, the tiers, you would have to change them to get like advanced features like uh, single sign-on or SLAs and stuff. That's where we try to, to to move people because if you need single sign-on you are probably an organization where sanity will create a lot of value right mm -hmm. like, like an agency uh, or something like that yeah for, for example so so we have this pay as you go so you can stay on like the basic plan uh, even if you have a ton of usage and just pay for the bandwidth over the quotas 
um, and you can change these tiers down and up uh, as you want and we will even like um, uh, pay back what you didn't use on the advanced pan if you was on that one for a week so we try to be very transparent uh, and like developer oriented with the pricing as well uh, we don't have this call us button on enterprise you can even go and just do the enterprise stuff if you don't want to talk with us <laughs> uh, so and we made we, we worked a lot to like get to that pricing plan just to have it make sense in a way because we also have to make money, right? Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, but uh, you you it's a usage based pricing. So even if you hosted the studio on Netlify or DigitalOcean or whatever, you will still have to look uh, look after the the bandwidth and the API calls. But even those, it's the average is not that expensive. So you would have have to have pretty large audience, I think, before feeling that. And I don't. I feel like as soon as you get that audience, at least for me, this yeah. is where the loyalty comes into play. Because I don't. I really don't mind. Even if it was a little bit more expensive, I wouldn't really mind paying a little bit more, because I've already developed that relationship with Sanity, and you've given me such a generous amount for free before that, right? Uh, where you've allowed me to, you know, cultivate this audience. You've allowed me to generate some minor income at, at the start. And now, okay, now I'm generating a lot of a lot of traffic, a lot of income technically, like probably because based on that traffic. So I really, I don't mind paying that little extra for the convenience of having to, to stay on the same platform and stuff like that. And I think that's a good bet for developers because developers are pretty loyal. They are fairly understanding of costs. Like they don't know, no developer goes in there and is like, I need everything for free. I think this is more of a surprise than anything like that. The fact that it is so generous in the free in the, in the free tier and and even the overage cost is so little like i have looked at it and i was like okay well i mean the projection where when we're going to reach this price point like it's this cost isn't going to be very heavy right like it's, it's going to be fine like we, i have no problem going for this or even with scale right like i'm sure that that's what you've built out you you want people to be able to see it and be like, okay, well they can scale for X amount of years. So they stay on our platform, which makes perfect sense because I've seen a lot of different pricing um, where it's like, as soon as you hit large scale, like, you know, million hits or something like that, it's the pricing just goes through the roof. And I've been scared away personally by that. It's, it's super, yeah, it's, it's super hard actually, because you also have to, you also have to, to catch like, those where you where you create a lot of value you have, you have to have some proxy for that uh, and that's super hard to like do do right and i'm not i'm not saying even that we have like uh, done pricing right yet we have to learn and stuff but uh, but yeah um uh, if you're super interested in the pricing you can also go to like the the um, we have this write up where we write everything uh, about how we calculate stuff and uh, and the and that you are grandfathered in if we are changing the plans and stuff. So we have tried oh, to cool. put it all out there. Now the grandfather yeah. thing is actually is is interesting. I was going to ask you about that. So yeah, so that means if you were to sign up for a plan right now, changes going forward, you're allowed to keep the same plan, the same pricing that you have as long as you you have kept paying for it. Yeah, line. I hope I'm not lying, but that's the idea. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and you will perhaps you will miss out on some new features and stuff, mm -hmm. but that's 
that's the deal, right? At least you keep the yeah. features that you've signed up for. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's cool. Uh, I, I like that a lot. And a, a little follow-up question here, and I don't know if you'll be able to answer this in any certainty, obviously, but are there any plans to remove the free tier in the future? We don't have any plans to do that. Okay, cool. <laughs> awesome. And with that, I think let's move on to the next question here. So, uh, Sanity, I don't, uh, I, I don't know how many of our audience has used it before, but they have their own query language called Grok. Yeah. Um, and I find it pretty straightforward. Like I've used it over the past month or so now. Uh, I have a little bit of experience with GraphQL as well, so I have a little bit of comparison here. Uh, and it's, I like it. It's straightforward. It, it is powerful. It is really powerful. Um, and the question I have is with GraphQL becoming the standard, and I saw that Sanity has started uh, beta support for GraphQL, how is that going to affect Grok development? Like I think personally, as long as I continue to use Sanity, I'll probably stick with Grok at this point um, because GraphQL is a little bit more overhead for me personally. Uh, I, I was going to learn, my, my thought process was I was going to learn GraphQL and then only use GraphQL so that those skills can be interchangeable. But after having done that and used Grok, I kind of feel like it works better with what I needed to do. So I don't know wow. if you have any insight on that. Yeah, sure. Uh, so we started developing Grok, or uh, <laughs> even even I'm I'm forgetting what it stands for. Uh, um, <laughs> uh, that's embarrassing. No, that's okay. Uh, it's, it's a long acronym. Um, we, we just open sourced it actually. Um, so what I did right before my holiday was to like put out the spec graph relational object queries. Yeah. Grok. Um, so we started like working with that, uh, at this nearly on the same time, I think Facebook, um, published the GraphQL spec, uh, back in 2015, I think. And of course we have been following GraphQL um all the way but graphql is and perhaps i'm going to get email for saying this but it's not really a query language it's more like a pattern for apis um i think i think that's dead on i, I i'm pretty sure yeah. i've seen that mentioned before like you're not the first one to um, it's it's not it's not like it's not so that important if it's a query language or not but um the deal is is the strength strength with GraphQL is it it is strictly typed like um, it's defined uh, and uh, if you for example need to if you needed to like count how many offers um, are in a post you have to create a new resolver for that like to have that data available in your API and that's kind of the feature with GraphQL uh, it's it's a good API pattern where you should probably handcraft your APIs as well. Uh, now, many of the CMSs, they just like generate this GraphQL API for you uh, because it's, it's still better than having to deal with REST thing where you have to go back and forth and stuff. But, um, but uh, what we needed was a query language to just query uh, any JSON document in the backend without having the schemas beforehand and knowing types and stuff. So Grok is a different beast and it's actually a query language uh, in a way that you can do joins and you have some functions and you can do maths and stuff. And so it's a bit different than GraphQL. 
and what Grok made is Grok made it possible for us to make a GraphQL API because our GraphQL API just generates the Grok queries, right, <laughs> uh, to that the backend. Yeah, so it's just this like it's sort of a middle layer between our Grok backend and whatever client you have. Uh, so that means that we will we will still um, invest in Grok and and develop that and make tooling and stuff, uh, and we will still of course also support GraphQL. Uh, how, to what extent, I'm not sure yet. Um, we have a talk about GraphQL that we did on a meetup uh, last year on YouTube, where we talk a bit more about the plans. But um, GraphQL is super, it has so much tooling uh, and nice things with it that it makes completely sense to have support for that and make it easy to have a GraphQL API on your sanity content. So yeah, but uh, both and and uh, yeah. So what we did just before uh, my vacation on on Jamstack Conf uh, in London was to open source Grok, and we also made this CLI tool, so you can run Grok on any JSON source in your command line, which is pretty cool. Have you heard about like the tool JQ? No, no, I haven't heard about that. Oh, so it's it's sort of similar, but this means that you can, for example, if you take uh, export of your documents in Sanity, uh, you can query those documents in the local file from this command line tool. Or if you just pipe in a, a JSON response from any API, you can also use Grok on, on that. So that can be pretty useful if you just need to wrangle some data. That's awesome. So that is is that the purpose of the open sourcing, or is the purpose also to then allow people to build Grok into their own JSON stores and JSON databases? Yeah, that would be interesting. Uh, interesting if they did, but yes, they could because we have open sourced the specification. We have uh, a JavaScript library. It's pretty. It's pretty much in alpha uh, yet. We will continue working on it now. When we are back from vacation, but um, uh, we we also made a like a parser parser, so we can generate Grok parsers uh, parsers in any programming language. So perhaps soon you have a Rust Grok <laughs> integration or whatever. So uh, so yeah, so of course we hope that people will start use use it um, and build stuff with it. That would cool. be cool. Yeah, no, that's totally where I thought uh, Grok was heading, to be honest. After after having used it uh, and then seeing that open source news, I was like, oh, so they want to be able to integrate into, you know, if someone else creates a headless CMS or if someone creates just a separate uh, JSON store or something, uh, and which would be awesome, obviously pretty cool and good for the expansion of Grok. Because um, I'm a fan. I, I actually, I not, again, again, you can't really compare them one to one, Grok and GraphQL, but I, I think I understand the query language side of it better in Grok because it is a query language, maybe. That's why. Yeah. Uh, so so mm -hmm. I, I've used Gatsby a lot lately, so I'm now pretty like feel pretty confident with GraphQL. And it's it's a bit different to just like to make queries with GraphQL because there you have so much help as well with the graph GraphQL Explorer and stuff. You can just basically click click out the query from uh, rock boxes and stuff. Uh, but like building a graph, GraphQL API yourself, that's, a, that's different. That's, that's more difficult to like 
think about the resolvers, think about how you should optimize whatever queries they are making and stuff. Um, people are working on those problems as well, like Hasura and Prima and stuff. They are trying to make that easier. That's awesome. It sounds like they kind of work together really well. Um, mm. But with that, uh, let's move on to this next question. So it seems that Sandy IO is constantly on the bleeding edge <laughs> of features, uh, stuff like having webhooks already built in and GraphQL support that we were just talking about, uh, plus a, a lot of other things uh, that you wouldn't see in other CMSs be for whatever reason. Is that because Sanity is still in the new phase, like in quotes new, or is the or in the industry, or is it part of the roadmap going forward to always stay on top of technological trends in the industry? I don't think... Um we have a roadmap like to always stay on top but uh, it's more about like building stuff that are actually useful and needed to 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 make developers able to do what they need to do um so sanity was built the way it was built because um the creators didn't want to say no <laughs> they want like as because they were consultants at, at the time and they didn't want to have to say no because the the technology didn't support it or make it easy right <laughs> definitely makes sense um you should probably say no once in a while but, <laughs> but uh, you shouldn't have to right um so so yeah and we are not that occupied with new uh really but a lot of the thinking is perhaps new in a way that we don't have we had don't have put, haven't put the constraints from like the more legacy CMSs, uh, and having the stuff real time also makes for uh, some other challenges and some other possibilities than people are used to. So you never have to like deal with document locking. Uh, so for example, in WordPress, you you still probably have this thing that uh, John is ed currently editing this document, so you can't do it right now, right? That's the thing, right? Uh, I think or, so. Yeah. I, I, I believe so. I don't know if they've addressed that in the recent uh, build, but I'm not, yeah, I'm not, I'm not 100% yeah, sure. But, that. Yeah. but you, 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 and if, if you were to have a service that wrote to the WordPress post at the same time, you, you will end up with race conditions and stuff. That, that stuff you don't have to think about with, with Sanity. But at the same time, we have to make a system that supports having a thousand documents that can be updated in real time and have some UI list also support that, right? So th that's hard. Um, so it's more like these kind of interesting um, challenges and, and stuff that we are thinking about more than always staying on top of the technological demands. And what's interesting with the technological demands is that they we are probably way ahead of those at the moment because people still just want, I guess, WordPress or what they know. Uh, so, so yeah. <laughs> was that a good answer? <laughs> no, that was perfect. Yeah, that's, yeah, a, yeah. that's what I figured. I mean, like the, the whole the the idea of not saying no like that immediately clicks when you look at the documentation for sanity not not that it has too much but like when you're looking for something i think matt and i have discussed this a few times we're like okay well we need this feature and it's in there 
we're like, okay, well, what about like, and then, then we're going down and we're like, okay, we need this feature and it, it's also in there. Or like this technology needs to be supported and it's in there. So that definitely kind of clicked in my mind when you said that. That makes sense. Yeah, cool. Yeah, one of the one of the big things that Mike and I had trouble with was we have this we have this uh, this section on our like or we have different like post types like depending on the section of uh, where you're on are on our site so you know whether it's a blog post a podcast post uh, et cetera et cetera and so each of those pages have different templates and one of the one of the things that we wanted was to I when I designed the the user interface I like to have I know I know we were mentioning there's like sort of like templated WordPress pages that you could like kind of pull from a specific template. But one of the things that I like is to have logic in there where on our current website, even though it's uh, just sort of like a demo website at the moment, but we have like clear text boxes, like this is this type of post and I want this in there, this in there, this in there. So I'm like clicking check boxes, clicking through radio buttons to do that. And I was, I was shocked that you could not do that in, in WordPress natively. And when I asked a couple people in our community, like, Hey, how do I do this? One guy stepped up and was like, Hey, you have to download this plugin. You have to download this. You have to set this up. And if you want to do a custom, you have to know PHP and do it this way. And I was like, what? And then when Mike was like, Hey, check this out. And he was bringing in toggle switches and everything else. I was like, what's going on here? Like, why isn't this vanilla in WordPress? Like, you know, it's in this brand, essentially brand new CMS. Like what's going on here? Yeah, that's interesting. But I guess that's, probably because WordPress has some legacy and some technical debt and, and stuff. So it's perhaps not trivial to just change that stuff. Of course, for sure. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so of course there, we have, like, we, we also have technical depth that we like feel, but I don't think that you have discovered that yet <laughs> because that's more about the way we, we uh, let you customize stuff. Uh, and so on with the parts and, and so on but uh, we are going to to take uh, to work with that actually this fall cool um, now one of the things uh, we're about to jump into is our is our recurring segment uh, web news but I actually had one other question that isn't isn't on the script if it were um, and it kind of came from that last question that Mike asked if you don't mind and, and that is that you were saying that obviously people are still used to what they're used to which is uh, WordPress or Squarespace or Wix or you know whatever anything that's been established already and they're they've learned it for for years or they're you know they're, they're in there even for just a year so now they're used to it um, what is your onboarding promotion I guess or what what are you using to pull like pull people out of there is it are you are you finding that it's more going to the talks and going to these uh, you know coding sessions or doing uh doing presentations or do you think that it's actually going to be marketing like you have to you guys really have to get in hit the social media marketing or you know what's your onboarding plan to bring more people over yeah so what we we worked a lot with this uh, spring was uh, uh, something called like the sanity.io slash create so you can even find uh, find those uh, on on our front page but it's these starters um, so you can deploy a blog or portfolio with Gatsby or a landing page uh, thing with Next or an done page with uh, Nuxt, which is the view equivalent. Um, uh, with just some few like clicks and log into GitHub and Netlify, we will just set up all the code for you on GitHub and integrate that with Netlify and deploy it and then you are like set to go and customize stuff and see how it all fits together uh, 
Um, so doing these kind of starters in a way is one way to get people sort of on board and understand how all this stuff goes together. That's the one part. You can also start from the CLI if you are inclined. Um, and the other part that we are doing a lot of work with and probably going to do even more work with is the developer community. So we have a developer community currently in Slack. I know that's not, not problematic, yeah. <laughs> but it's so far it's it's pretty good. Where um, where we have now I think fifteen hundred developers, uh, and they are asking all sort of questions and sharing what they have made and uh, and so on. And all the developers uh, that works at Sanity are also in the Slack and have um, have support and, and stuff like that. So there we can learn a lot of how people use Sanity, what they're struggling with, um, get feedback, and we can help out. Um, so far, that ha has worked pretty great. And of course, we also have partners. Like, we we, are, we worked with Gatsby uh, to make an awesome Gatsby source plugin. Uh, we are, like, compatible with the Gatsby preview service. We are working with Site and Netlify and all those guys. So, so yeah. Okay, because so it kind of yeah. sounds like you guys are onboarding via a bunch of different venues, which is sort of key when it comes to developers, right? Because everyone kind of works yeah. in their own space. So, but yeah, uh, I think uh, as long as everyone's good to go, I think we, we can move on to um, our web news, which is our conversational segment. Is everyone good to go jump into this? Um, could be could be a 15 minute conversation, could be three hours. We don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. All right, let's do it. Um, all right, so web news. So this week it's entitled Best Front End for Use with a Headless CMS. And uh, so headless CMS like uh, Sanity IO are meant to be used uh, with the developer's choice of front end technologies. Uh, so a couple questions with that. Um, are there any that are better than others for working with headless CMS applications? So Sanity or other ones. Um, and what are your guys' favorites? Yeah, choose your favorites, right? Yeah, choose your favorites. <laughs> yeah so uh, I guess it's. There's a lot of exciting stuff that happens now in front-end world. Uh, and what it, it seems to be a focus is, is make it easy to make, like to use these JavaScript frameworks, uh, especially to make um, like efficient uh, and, and good websites that are fast and, and reliable and stuff. And I guess you have stuff like Gatsby, that seems to be pretty popular now. And they are doing an awesome job on the community and support and all that. So it's if you if you want to go get into the React programming and stuff, Gatsby is a good bet. Uh, <clears throat> and that that is static site, site generator. So that's kind of like that we build the whole complete website before deploying it. And then you have stuff like Next.js which is a bit different. Uh, it's something called uh, isomorphic um, uh, app. So it, it will like do the rendering of the HTML on the server side the first on the first request, and then it will like click into single page application mode um, after that. And those in the React world, those are making also like uh, data fetching and stuff a bit easier. Um, especially with the last next uh, update, made it 
also easy to make like a custom API and stuff in there. And in view, you have like Nuxt, which is pretty similar to Next, as you can like hear from the naming. And you have like the Gatsby equivalent called Gridsome. So those four are pretty good, good bets when it comes to, to front-end technologies. But it's of course just the tip of the iceberg. Yeah, totally. And uh, I really, I only have experience with uh, Next in that one. Uh, I have yeah. used just standard view, uh, but I found it's extremely limiting for SEO stuff. Like when you're just building a regular, you know, maybe business side application, just a single page application, I feel like it's enough if you're not yeah. too worried about SEO and searchability and all that. But as soon as you get to the SEO, I, I immediately start looking for static static site generation. So Nux kind of made sense for me. Yeah, Nux is awesome. Uh, but you should also look into Gridsome. We are we are probably going to publish a Gridsome source plugin in within a couple of weeks, actually. Mm -hmm. uh, and that that is more like Gatsby. It's it it's geared towards making like aesthetic sites, and they have like uh, a couple of convenience stuff for making taxonomy pages and so, and so on. So it looks it's pretty promising, I think. Yeah, I'll take. I'll definitely yeah. take a look. What's the major difference? Would you like? You said it was because um, it's a, it's the same comparison as Next and Gatsby, right? Next and Gritsum. Yeah, it is. Uh, it's the differences get smaller because you can also generate the static site um, from Next. Mm -hmm. Like, do I think it's the export or generate method or something? So uh, I think it's just, it's more of a matter of integrations because Gridsome and Gatsby have all these source plugins mm, that you can uh, attach and then you will get this internal GraphQL API that you can query whereby Nuxt and Next there you are kind of on your own how you want to integrate the data. Right, right. Uh, okay. So yeah, so it depends how you like to work, I, I think. Okay, so uh, I'll, I'll definitely should, take a look. Yeah. And we should probably mention like Svelte and and Zapper and and those stuff like the 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 freshest hottest JavaScript frameworks. <laughs> <They're>, yeah, <laughs> it's pretty interesting as well. I haven't done too much with it yet, but uh, I I have an eye on doing more. Have you have you tried building a sanity based just vanilla javascript front end before <laughs> yeah i okay. have because sometimes i i do a lot of like small demos and stuff mm -hmm. uh, and <laughs> when i do that uh, i'm reminded why somebody invented <laughs> react <laughs> because yeah. you end up with this state stuff uh, which is always tricky yeah so i i tend to go to view or react for for those kinds of stuff yeah that's exactly what I was going to ask too, because I was thinking that with with some older websites out there, so I know that someone out there is probably thinking like, oh, I use a CMS right now, and you know, I wouldn't mind doing like a partial migration over, you know, and slowly move my stuff over, so like new content would be pulled, like on my like I'd use my old website, but I would pull my new posts from Sanity, and then I would slowly migrate my old posts into Sanity, but like it would be a you know slow going process, and that's exactly what I was thinking is someone's going to want to use like cores or something to just like you know straight up vanilla JS grab the grab the information from the 
from the uh, the sanity the sanity API like from their own like CMS there. So yeah, that's where stuff like Gridsome or Gatsby is perfect because then you can have like the WordPress source plugin and the sanity source plugin in the same like Gatsby install and just deal with the the content from the WordPress source plugin in a way and that from Sanity in another way or whatever. So yeah, so tooling like that makes it that a bit easier. What would what would you say what would you say in terms of tooling then? So like like there's that that sort of solution for websites, but then what would you say if like let's say uh, many blogs will have a like they'll they'll make a blog you know regular blog website they'll get big and they're like all right great let's make an app how versatile and like how how well suited is having this API from Sanity actually work with an like an app so I don't know where where they how they would make it maybe just straight up Java if it's on Android or you know despite where they are like how suited is the API for pulling their blog data into their blog app. Yeah, so if you use if you use like React Native and stuff, you can just use the JavaScript tooling that we have. If you are using Java, you probably just need to deal with the HTTP API. But that's just sending the queries right uh, through HTTP and dealing with whatever you get back. Uh, so so yeah, so the quote unquote hardest part of that is probably to to um, to serialize the the portable text because we don't have a java a library for that yet but we have uh, we have at least the hyperscript and php and javascript and the, there's even a .net client so so yeah i think if if it talks http it's pretty straightforward Right. Yeah. So you're basically yeah. ready to rock, basically. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, did you guys? Did you have any more questions, Mike, or anything like that? Um, I know that I'm, I'm, I'm complete noob with Sanity. I've just been watching videos. I actually saw one of your your videos, Kadoot, uh, earlier. I've been watching videos the last few nights because I am going from client work right now, and I'm going to be transitioning into building this stuff with Sanity and learning Nuxt and stuff like that with Mike, and then I'll be back off to client work. So I've been. I'm in the transitionary phase into sanity, I guess. So, <laughs> no, yeah, cool. No, I, um, I think I'm good uh, with with questions. I just want to thank Kenneth for for being on the podcast with us and answering all the questions. The big one I actually wanted answered before, but uh, you've already answered is uh, where where to find the community and how to ask for help. But you've already said join your Slack, and I actually did that already, and it's been pretty good. Nice. I I will I will. Uh... I will be more active there from next week. <laughs> nice. I'm, I'm trying to like keep my hands up, but uh, but yeah, slack.sanity.io is where the community is, and yeah, I think you will be able to find most things on on sanity.io in any way. So yeah, awesome. Thanks and for having me. Yeah, no, uh, thank you very much for coming <laughs> on, and I'd like to invite you now uh, to have the floor if you have any. Uh, projects personal or sanity wise and uh, i'll of course take any of those links and put them in the show notes if you want to share anything that you're working on specifically or maybe your personal blog whatever uh have the floor and uh take it away oh yeah so uh, i guess you can follow me on twitter i will post most things there uh, i also have the worst twitter handle <laughs> in it's, it's impossible to say on the podcast it's k melvi <laughs> 
so you, I guess you just have to browse the, the show notes to, to find the link. <laughs> Or something, <laughs> uh, but but yeah, uh, but you will also find me on on sandy.io on the blog or whatever. So yeah, awesome. Well, thank you very much for uh, thanks very much for coming on and answering all these questions. And we're really excited to get started with Sanity. I know that uh, we've already done a great deal of sort of setup and initial learning, and then we're just about to dive right in. So you've kind of come onto the show at the at the perfect time. Cool. I'm I'm looking forward. I'm looking forward to to see the new web page and stuff. And you also, of course, have to tell us about how you ended up doing things. We'll do for sure. Uh, absolutely. And uh, yeah, because I think uh, I think I don't know if we want to announce a timeline, Mike. But what was our rough timeline to get this website up? Like <laughs> uh, right on the spot. I know. Uh, I think I think we were thinking. Uh, <laughs> I, I did this intentionally. By tomorrow. Yeah. yeah. yeah tomorrow <laughs> night. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. I think if everything goes well, I think uh, early September is uh, is when we wanted to get it up. Oh, God. I, cool. I, I did it as a joke, <laughs> and now he's actually set a time to it. But anyway, yeah. uh, thank you for listening, everybody. And uh, yeah. <laughs> Take, now, now I'm taken off guard. So thank you for listening. Alrighty, well, thank you for listening, and make sure you don't miss an episode by subscribing on the platform of your choice. You can follow us on the socials via at HTML All the Things. That's on Facebook and Instagram. You can also follow, follow us on uh, Twitter, and that's via at HTML Everything. We are on Medium, and we're on GitHub, and we're also on Patreon. Remember, that's patreon.com slash HTML All the Things. Check out the tiers and give that a go. And with that said, many thanks to our $3 tier patrons. Sean from RabbitWorks JavaScript. You can find him at youtube.com slash RabbitWorks JavaScript. Works is spelled W-E-R-K-S. You can also, or many thanks also to Garrick from Local Path Computing and Web Design. That's uh, localpathcomputing.com. Craig, a.k.a. Cosworth. And last but not least, Ryan Gatchel from Blue Black Digital. You can find him at blueblackdigital.com. All of these links will also be in the show notes. Feel free to leave a comment or a review on the platform that you are listening to this on. And we are signing off. Yeah.